G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 14 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at how God calls some of his servants to go and some of his servants to stay. He has a plan and he orchestrates it to perfection. If we follow God, we need to be willing to go when he tells us to. But also as a servant, we need to be willing to let others go when he calls them. To let them go without filling them with guilt over following God. And that can be hard. It's so easy to go on about how much we'll miss people, to list all the reasons they should stay, to be skeptical about them going, especially if they're unclear on their plan because God hasn't revealed it to them yet. If they can't give us all the answers on why they're going and what, why they're doing what they're doing, we can take that as a reason for why they should stay. But the thing is, God doesn't give us a full roadmap. He just gives us the next step and asks us to trust him. And we need to remember that. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find those over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 13 on the list. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. But without further ado, let's dig in. Last week in episode 13 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we looked at one man's desire for a gift of the Holy Spirit, but his motives were evil. He desired the gift for his own glory and gain. But we also saw that we should desire gifts of the Spirit, but we should desire them to build up the church, to support our Christian brothers and sisters. Today, we're going to look at how, when we follow God, He orchestrates events that should be impossible, events so coincidental that we'd struggle to believe them if they hadn't just happened to us. Our passage today is Acts chapter 8 verses 26 through to 40 in the New, sorry, in the World English Bible. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south to the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. He arose and went, and behold, there was a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was over all her treasure, who had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? He said, How can I unless someone explains it to me? He begged Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. 
He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he doesn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip, Who is the prophet talking about? About himself? Or about someone else? Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, preached to him about Jesus. As they went on the way, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Behold, here is water. What is keeping me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stand still and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him any more, for he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at, at Astos. Passing through, he preached the good news to all the cities until he came to, to Caesarea. So Philip had been preaching in, the city, uh, in a city in Samaria for some time, but now the Holy Spirit had a new mission for him. One which would spread the gospel all the way to Ethiopia. But Philip didn't know that yet. He was in the middle of a highly successful ministry in Samaria. The Holy Spirit was so powerfully at work in Samaria that Peter and John themselves traveled from Jerusalem to Philip to support the ministry there. Now, many of us, if we're in the middle of a ministry that was clearly growing, would be reluctant to leave. Why would we leave if God was obviously at work? Aren't we supposed to jump on board with what God's doing? And yet here, an angel of the Lord told Philip to go, to take a long and dusty walk down a desert road, days away from where he probably was in Samaria. If that were me, I'd be scratching my head and saying, are you sure, God? Things are going really well here, but you want me to head out into the wilderness? There's nothing out there but wild animals and dirt. Can't very well preach to them. How many of us would just try to stay where we were? I know I wouldn't be inclined to leave a growing ministry, one that God was clearly blessing. And indeed, I have felt exactly this way just weeks after I originally wrote this message. Because God called me and my wife to the States, and so now we're leaving a growing church on Saipan to go and do I don't know what. And that scares me. But Brittany and I are also very clear that that's where God is leading us. And so we're going. We chose to be like Philip, who said, Okay, I'm going to trust you. And off he went, leaving behind a successful ministry and walking out into the desert. Can you imagine the amount of faith Philip must have needed to make this decision? Not only did he need to be certain in his own mind that this was where God was leading him, but he'd also likely have faced opposition from believers in Samaria, those also doing ministry with him. I imagine he had people around him who couldn't understand why he was abandoning a powerful ministry that he had started in order to go walk into the desert. He didn't even have a plan. He was just going to walk. 
I can easily imagine the conversation. Where are you going, Philip? Um, Gaza, I think, maybe. I'm taking that road anyway. Why? I don't know. God told me I needed to go that way. Are you sure, Philip? Maybe you imagined it. Why would God tell you to leave this ministry? It's going so well. I know, I know, but I just have to go now, okay? Come on, Philip. We need you here. You're doing an amazing job, and heaps of people are getting sta- are getting saved. Just stay, at least until we can find someone to replace you. Guys, please, God is leading me elsewhere. I need to go. Well, you know what? I'm praying too, and I don't believe that God is telling you to leave. I'm going now, guys. Take it up with God if you have anything more to say. Now, this conversation is, of course, speculation. I have no idea whether Philip faced anything like this. I certainly hope he didn't. However, I'm not just making this kind of conversation up. They happen today. I faced this kind of conversation from other believers about ministries God has pushed me to pursue, pursue, though I've not faced this conversation about moving to the States and leaving Saipan, for which I am very thankful. And I also know other believers who have had these kinds of conversations when they told their family, their church, and friends that God was leading them somewhere else. I know people who have faced ridicule from Christians over ministries they felt God leading them to. One family in particular I know faced so much pressure from church and family, even a pastor they trusted, to stay when they knew that they should go, that they ended up choosing to stay. But staying was not what God wanted them to do, and the result was an incredibly miserable year as they were stuck in a bad situation. No one won. God was wrapping up their ministry in that place and moving them to a new one, and when they didn't go where God was pushing them, their ministry still ended, and the pastor who wanted them to stay and continue ministering still didn't get what he wanted. There are two parts to this that I want to focus on today. Number one, we need to have the courage to leave when God calls us. And number two, we need to have the courage to let others leave when God calls them. So number one, we need to have courage to leave when God calls us. One of the hardest times to move in life is when we're in the midst of success, whether it's success in our job, success in our ministry, success in raising family, success in college, whatever it is, it goes against our nature to abandon a good thing in favor of the unknown. But throughout scripture, God constantly calls people to abandon the known and comfortable in order to follow him into the wilderness, into the unknown. In today's passage, God called Philip to leave Samaria and the highly successful ministry he had there and take a lonely road toward Gaza. To anyone looking on, this would seem insane. To Philip, it probably even seemed kind of crazy. But he trusted that God knew what he was doing, and so he went. He went prepared to give the gospel 
to whom to whomever God led him to. It wasn't until days into his journey alone that he came upon a chariot carrying an Ethiopian, who just so happened at that exact moment to be, to be reading a prophecy about Jesus. If that's not a God-ordained moment, I don't know what is. And not only was this Ethiopian reading Isaiah, but he was also desperate to understand it. So when the Holy Spirit prompted Philip to speak up and offer an ex- an offer to explain it, the Ethiopian was thrilled. Now the reason this Ethiopian was in Jerusalem was likely because he was searching for the truth. He was searching for Jesus. He traveled hundreds of miles to be here. He obviously had great trust had the great trust and support from the queen of the Ethiopians in order to take such a long pilgrimage. Perhaps his queen was also seeking the truth, and she entrusted this task to the official. Regardless of his purpose, this Ethiopian was an incredibly important person in the Ethiopian government. He wasn't just some person traveling. He was in charge of all the treasury of the Queen of Ethiopia. So Philip was in the right place at the right time because he was willing to follow God. And now he had an opportunity to share the gospel with this man. This is an example of why it's so important that we study scripture. The overarching theme of scripture is to point to what Jesus did on the cross. Philip knew this. He knew the Old Testament so well that he knew which passage this man was reading from and was able to explain how is a prophecy about Jesus and explain ultimately what Jesus did on the cross. During the Ethiopian stay in the region, he doubtless had heard rumors about this Jesus person. Now Philip was able to explain what happened using a book written hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years previous. We need to know God's word well enough that we can do the same, that we can explain the gospel clearly to others when the opportunity arises. But it's not just about having the knowledge. We also need to rely on the Holy Spirit in those moments because the Holy Spirit knows how we need to share the gospel The Holy Spirit knows what those we talk to need to hear, and so we need to trust the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation. The end of this story is the most amazing part, though. God performs an incredible miracle for this Ethiopian. The eunuch has just heard the gospel, given his life to Jesus and been baptized. And then Philip blinks out of existence, gone. He appeared beside the Ethiopian at exactly the right moment. Then he was gone, vanished from sight, transported by God to another place. The Ethiopian traveled back home, that event doubtless playing on repeat in his mind. Imagine when he tells his queen what happened. She trusts him. She trusts him so much that he's in charge of all her wealth. She trusts him so much that she let him take a many-month pilgrimage to Israel. So when he tells her that this man appeared 
told him that Isaiah was talking about what happened to this Jesus guy who had been crucified just recently, and that there were many people saying that he'd been seen alive after the event. And then after Philip had told him all this and baptized him, Philip vanished. They were in a desert. He didn't hide behind a bush. There were no tracks in the sand. He was gone. I can just imagine the Queen of Ethiopia getting goosebumps as she hears her accountant, treasurer, tell this miraculous story, a story predicted by Isaiah hundreds of years earlier. And so, through this event, the gospel traveled to Ethiopia. And all this because Philip had the courage to leave a successful ministry and walk out into the unknown. If we seek to follow God no matter what, then one day he will ask us to leave success and follow him into the unknown. Maybe it's not physically moving to a new place, but it might be leaving a ministry and beginning a new one. It might be changing something big in our lives and starting something unknown. And will we have the courage to do so? And that brings me to point two. We need also to have the courage to let others leave when God calls them. At some point, God will call someone we know to follow him from their success and into the unknown, to leave their life near us and go. Will we have the courage to let them go? Or will we try to convince them that they should stay because they're already having great success? Will we try to convince them to stay because God didn't tell us they should leave? God tells us all about his plans for those around us, right? No. And we can enter some very, very dangerous ground if we try to discourage someone from doing, from going where they believe God is leading them. Think about it like this. If we assume that God is leading them to a new place, what does that mean that we are doing if we try to discourage them? Essentially, we're telling them to stop following God's commands and instead follow us. We're telling them that our wisdom is greater than God's. Our purposes are greater than God's purposes. And we can do incredible harm to people if we try to do this. 1 Kings 13 tells us a devastating story of what happened to one man when he listened to others over what God told him to do. It's the story of a man of God from Judah whom God sent to Bethel to warn King Jeroboam to stop sinning. God told the man of God not to eat bread or drink water in that place and for him not to return home the way he came, but take a different path home. As the man of God is returning home, an old prophet in Bethel heard about all that had happened and found the man and invited him to his home to eat. The man of God told him no, and told him why he couldn't. But the prophet said, I too am a prophet, as are you. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, Bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But the prophet was lying. 
So the man of God returned with him and ate bread and drank water. Then the word of the Lord came to the old prophet, and he cried out to the man of God what the Lord had said. The Lord said that because the man hadn't kept his command, he would die and not be buried with his ancestors. As the man of God returned home, a lion attacked him and killed him. It and the donkey stood by the man's body until the old prophet was told about it, and he went and took the body and buried him in his own tomb. Now, this is an extreme case. The Lord had very specific reasons for punishing the man with death for disobeying him. I won't get into it much, but in brief, God needed to set a strong example for the nation of Israel because they were doing very evil things. And if a man of God suffered death for disobeying the Lord and eating bread, how much more would God punish those who did evil? The reason I bring this up, though, is to demonstrate just how dangerous it is to those we love if we try to convince them not to follow God. If God is telling them to go and we tell them to stay and they listen to us, they are disobeying God's commands to them. It's still their responsibility to follow God, so we can cause great harm to others if our actions convince them not to follow God's commands to them. And we need to be very, very careful that when those around us need to go, that we don't oppose God's will if we want them to stay. But what if someone we know comes to us for advice, saying they believe God is telling them to leave, but we do want them to stay and think staying would be smarter? How do we give advice? Seeking advice is a biblical concept. Proverbs 19 verse 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And that's from the NIV. So what do we do? What do we say to them? Well, we need to be careful that we're not letting our own desires cloud our advice. Are we wanting them to follow God? Or are we just wanting them to do what we think is best? So often when asked for advice, we say the first thing that comes to mind, what we're thinking in the moment. But is that advice or is that our opinion? Should we rather go away and pray and think about it and seek God's guidance before we give them advice? We need to make sure we are right with God and are willing to let them go if God is calling them to go. Because if we aren't, then we will never be able to give them sound advice. If all we want is for them to stay, then our advice will be tainted by that desire. So our first step is to acknowledge that they are God's servants, and so are we. If God tells his servants to go, they must go. If he tells his servants to stay, they must stay. And we need to be aware that if we say stay when God says go, we are encouraging others to disobey God. If someone asks us for advice on going and we aren't willing to let them go, then we must tell them that we can't advise them because our own desire for them to stay is too strong. The second step 
is to pray with them. Pray for wisdom. Pray for God to guide them, to protect them from Satan's lies. Pray that they will be grounded in God's truth, in God's word, the Bible. The third step, once we're willing to let them go, if God calls them, and have prayed for wisdom, is to go to the Bible. Now we look at what the Bible says about their decision. It probably won't give specifics. You'd be hard-pressed to find a passage in there which says, move to San Francisco and do this or that. But what it does provide is principles to live by. If to go means that that person needs to steal and lie and break God's commands, well, it's probably not God they're listening to because God won't ask us to break his commandments. He will never ask us to sin. And if to go means sinning, then it's probably not from God. In fact, it's definitely not from God. So see what wisdom the Bible has to offer. And when asked to give advice, Take some time to pray first. Don't give an opinion. Give advice grounded in the scripture, in God's word. God calls his servants to go where he needs them. Some he calls into the desert to talk to a stranger on a dusty road. Others he calls to be born, live and die in one place, never leaving but impacting those around them with a lifelong testimony. But whatever God's desire for us, we need to have the courage to follow him. And we need to have the courage to let those around us leave if God calls them to. So my challenge this week is that we prepare for the day we either need to leave or need to let someone close to us leave. And it's okay to miss people. It's okay to be sad to see someone go. But we just need to be very, very careful that we don't discourage them from following God. Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's word to your life.